Friends, as we turn our attention to God's Word on this first Sunday after Easter, I invite you to open your Bibles to Mark chapter 4, verses 1 through 20. Uh, Mark is one of the Gospels, so after you get through some funny-sounding names at the end of the Old Testament, you find Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And we're in Mark chapter 4, uh, verses 1 through 20. And the title of the sermon today is, Need a Farmer? Um, which I did have to text to one or two people who I knew would be excited about that particular title. But just a note of where we're, we're coming into the scripture today. It's the first Sunday after Easter, and so often you know, the, this Sunday and next Sunday are usually used for some of Jesus' post-resurrection appearances. When Jesus, for instance, went to Thomas, doubting Thomas, who said, you know, I just can't believe it unless I can see his hands and his side. And we talk about the reinstatement of Peter, Peter who swore he wouldn't deny Jesus, and then he did, just as Jesus said he would. And yet in John, we get this reinstatement of Peter, where he is re-embraced by our Lord and is told, Simon, son of John, if you love me, go and feed my sheep, go and feed my lambs. Well, we're doing something a little bit different this year. Um, just we've done the more traditional follow-up in more previous years. And so this year, if there is maybe a theme to pull out of these Sundays after Easter, it's this. Don't waste Easter or keep that transformation alive. As we went all through Lent leading up to Easter, we paid attention to how different characters in Scripture interacted with Jesus, and it transformed them. And it would be a sad loss if that transformation, if the excitement around that ended after Easter Sunday, that Easter Monday would be, well, back to it. I'll admit when I was a kid, I, I got a little bit scared at one point in, in understanding what Easter was. I thought your sins were only forgiven on one day once a year. So I was like, okay, so if I do bad things, they're forgiven on Easter Sunday. And then I was a little bit like frightened to think, what about, what about like all the sins between Easter's? Like what happens to those? That's because the transformation was not being kept alive in my childhood mind and in my theology of error, if you will. Transformation of being one with Christ and knowing Christ's victory over sin and death is a day after day, week after week, moment by moment transformation. And so we're going to come to a familiar parable, the parable of the four soils, and ask ourselves, knowing that this happened long before Jesus' death and betrayal when he was teaching the disciples, but asking ourselves, how does this remind us, what does it teach us about keeping our Easter hope alive, keeping that peace of Christ centered in our lives long after Easter Sunday service has ended? So before we read God's word together, let's pray for God's blessing upon the word. Jesus, you speak to us in your written word. You help us understand who you are, that you are the word made flesh, the word incarnate, who, who died for us and rose again for us. And so as we read your word today, may you speak life into it. May you speak life into us. May you bless us and keep us on this day just as well as when we could feel it so much on Easter Sunday. 
Speak to us your word. Speak to us your truth. In your name we pray. Amen. Mark chapter 4, verses 1 through 20. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake, while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables, and in his teaching said, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places, where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly, because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so that they did not bear grain. Still, other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop some multiplying 30, some 60, some a 100 times. Then Jesus said, Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. When he was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked him about the parables. He told them, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving, and ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still, others, like seed sown among thorns, hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires of other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seed sown on good soil. Hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. Some 30, some 60, some a 100 times what was sown. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Jesus speaking in parables. We might take for granted some of the more complicated parables that would be harder to understand because If you've been in the church for any amount of time, if you've read your Bible from time to time, you've probably come across them and you've been equipped with some teaching to understand them well. And yet, the disciples hearing them for the first time, these aren't, you know, these are fishermen, tax collectors, a couple zealots. They're really struggling to put some of these things together. We're in Mark 4, so this is pretty early in Jesus' teaching. And so he knows that more complicated ones will come. There's some, there's some ones that we wrestle with. Well, how exist, what do we do with this? But this one, the parable of the four soils, oh, man, 
this is this is the slow pitch, like easy hitter one for the disciples to pick up on. Now, I say that knowing that when I was on the slow pitch softball team for North Holland when I was an intern, it was hard to hit slow pitches, okay? I never played catch as a kid, so baseball was a real struggle. But nonetheless, this is supposed to be the easy one, and you hear Jesus almost a little bit incredulous with the disciples. If you don't get this parable, how are you going to understand any of them? Because it's pretty straightforward. So this time, Jesus gives them the answer key. This is, I mean, like, he gave the test, but then he gave them the answer key right afterwards. Super convenient. And the answer key, once you know it, like any test, if you've got the answer key, it's a pretty simple test. The answer key is also simple. The farmer is God. The seed is the word. The soil are the hearers of the word. All of us, all people. Pretty simple, pretty straightforward. And yet, Jesus still explains kind of how each one unfolds from there. Because maybe they just needed a little bit more, okay, we got the answer key. We could, we could check the right box to get the answers right, but we're not sure yet if we understand. So Jesus explains it. He helps them make sense of this parable. And it makes sense to us today because we're used to it. We know the answer key. I'm pretty sure that if we took a poll, probably 97.3% of the people in this room would have heard this before and heard it taught on. And just know that 83% of statistics are made up anyway. But I wonder, this, this parable for us, more often than not, uh, could steer us in a direction that can be helpful but also misunderstood, even abused. We could typecast every person that we meet as a type of soil. And we might do that in such a way that we could weaponize this parable or use it to judge people. And I'm pretty confident that Jesus never meant for us to weaponize his parables or to use them as ammunition to judge others. The four different soils could be said, well, you know what? I tried my best with them, but they must just be seed on the path because birds came by and, you know, th- there's just no getting through to them. Or, oh, yeah, they're, they're rocky soil. They're really flaky. They get really excited about stuff, and then they just kind of fade away. Or, you know what? They're just, they're just too busy. To, to be involved in anything meaningful. They're just, they're just the seed among thorns. Or we could pat ourselves on the back. We could bruise ourselves patting ourselves on the back so hard that we are good Christians that we probably produce 40, 60, maybe 100 times what was sown to us. We could weaponize the parable. We could use it to let ourselves off the hook. We could use it as a reason to not worry about some of our neighbors because we could label them as a different type of soil. But I think there's a different way that we can read this and to engage it better. I think there is something ultimately true in terms of the end of time where Jesus could look back and say, just in the same way that um, wheat and weeds were gathered together and separated out the harvest, there is a way that we could say ultimately true. Hey, you know what? Like Some people kept trying to come to faith, but they got too distracted and pulled away from it over their whole life. We could say those things in the ultimate sense, but those aren't ours to decide. 
only God knows our heart, soul, and mind and all the other things about us that maybe we don't even know. I wonder if for us, the Sunday after Easter, it's helpful to read this parable and own the fact that throughout life, we are every single one of these soils. We take turns throughout life being different soils. And I think sometimes we could hit three out of four by noon. We are fickle, and we shift back and forth. Because there are times where the word, something good from God, is given to us, and it's just gone just as fast as it showed up. And maybe that's because there's something that the devil doesn't want us to connect with, something that we don't want roots getting into. And so, whoop, it's gone. Birds are there to take it away, to make sure it doesn't even have a chance. I think there are good lessons that God has taught us that never even had a chance to take root. I think this grieves God. And yet the parable shows a farmer who just keeps scattering seed. Jesus is, is um, advocating for a terrible agricultural practice here. You do not plant across the driveway and over the road and through the woods on the way to grandmother's house we go. You plant only in fertile soil and then you care for it. Jesus doesn't seem to be mad. But it does give us a picture that farmers still scattered the seed. Some lessons just don't take. Other times, we receive a word from the Lord. We, we get a hold of something, and man, we shoot up fast. We have those moments, those, those mountaintop moments that are so big, and we feel like our entire life has changed. And then, well, you know, the soil was a bit rocky. We didn't have time to build roots up. We had maybe the mountaintop high experience, and then it just faded away so fast because we didn't have time to mature and put roots down. This is, I mean, I still think it is so good to go on you know, a work trip or a mission trip, but there's a danger in that when we get back, maybe some of the best of the fellowship and working together that we had, the rocky soil is waiting and the sun is scorching to make the best of what we learned and grew in disappear. The same way, we get busy. Anybody in this room feel a little bit busy? Maybe a little bit at capacity? Maybe that life is pulling in all kinds of different directions? That, that we have so much available to us, so many things that we can read and do and grow in our faith, and yet our schedules, our busyness can just choke it out like weeds. We can get caught up and concerned about other things so quickly that we don't have time to put down good roots. And still other times, those moments that when we share our testimonies with a small group that we share and we look back and say, wow, there is something that happened that God did then that took root that still sticks with me even today that changed me. There are those rooted times that did not get taken away by birds, that didn't get choked out by distractions, and that wasn't just a passing excitement followed by, well, back to life as usual as if nothing ever happened. We can be all four soils at different seasons in life, and I think sometimes maybe multiples in the same day. How then do we become good soil? Because this parable could just leave us kind of stuck. Like, what do we do then? We all want to be good soil, right? Of course we do. But dirt doesn't really do much 
to change itself. And in this parable, we're not the seed. The Word is the seed, a Word from God. The Word is the seed. We're just dirt. The things that Jesus compares us to, sheep, which are dumb, dirt, which is dirt, and other things. Now, granted, in the Gospel of John, he also does call us friends because we are not just servants of God, but we are also his friends who know his kingdom business. But dirt doesn't do that much to change itself. But you know, you know who does care a lot about dirt? Boring, plain old dirt? Farmers. You know what birds are scared of? Farmers. Do you know what, um, who can make something grow even in rocky soil? Farmers. Though they probably have insurance in case a rock would go through their combine. But nonetheless, farmers. Do you know who takes care of weeds and kills them off and uproots them so that the crop may grow? Farmers. If there's a takeaway for us the Sunday after Easter from the parable of four soils, it is this. Is that above all else, we need to spend time with the farmer, the gardener. And remember, on Easter, we, we were in Gospel of John, and Jesus is mistaken by Mary Magdalene for the gardener. Because it's an echo back to Genesis when God was in the garden with humanity, with no separation, no veiled face, just fully present. Jesus is accidentally, yet not in error totally, mistaken for the gardener. Jesus is the gardener and the farmer. Dirt does not do all that much to change itself. Dirt cannot take care of itself. But the farmer takes care of the soil. The farmer tends it. The farmer gets rid of the birds through different methods. The farmer cares about getting rocks out of the way. The farmer cares about getting the weeds out and getting them under control. We are people who need to spend time with the gardener, with the farmer. And this might still sound like work, but it is not works righteousness. This is not dirt, us as dirt, congratulating ourselves for becoming better dirt. This is a scenario where we can only give glory to God because the dirt that we were created from, the dust of the earth that God breathed life into, the dust that we are is only made fruitful with the tending, tender, loving care of the gardener who cares for the soil. We need to spend time with the gardener. And there will be times where that's going to be a challenge. And yet, I wonder if the gardener, our picture of the gardener, is not one who's disappointed with the dirt, but rather continues to sow, speed, sow seed, not sparingly, but everywhere, all the time. I think because God is always eager to speak to us, to teach us, to connect with us, so God's word is sown through all seasons of our life, regardless of what type of soil we are. And yet it is time with the gardener that is going to transform us and that's going to allow us to take root and actually change. Soil does change a little bit over time, depending on what grew in it, what's been tilled back into it. Soil does change over time, but it only does so with the help of the gardener. And so I wonder, 
going from here, going from Easter Sunday where everything just seems right with the world. I mean, church is full. The, the music just is going through our entire being. And then we kind of come to Monday. And maybe, maybe that was kind of a big moment followed by a letdown. This is why we need time with our gardener. There needs to be some protected time. I don't take for granted that part of the protected time here is having time to worship together, having time in fellowship. Because in fellowship with other believers, we are spending time with other Christians who at some level we should be pointing each other towards God, even just by our very presence. All kinds of work and intentionality that we can add to that. But we need some time with God to worship, to sing praises together, to to come around the Word, and to celebrate the sacraments together. We need that guarded time with Jesus, whether it be in conversation, in prayer, whether it be with a little bit of reading here and there. We need that time with the gardener. Because if we don't spend much time with the gardener, and sometimes we don't, the type of soil that we are will change. Now, we can't do a lot to transform ourselves because it is God's grace that has saved us. But time with the gardener takes care of the rocks. It takes care of the weeds. It scares off the birds or eliminates them altogether. Time with the gardener will change us and allow roots to be put down. And plants that have roots can survive. A little bit of weed around them Plants with roots can survive beyond a few rocks. Plants with roots are beyond the picking of the birds. They're too strong and too large now for the birds to mess with. We need time with the farmer, with the gardener. And we need to guard it to the best of our ability. I think Easter is a big spiritual high. And that doesn't mean that it's not real. I think it's some of the best of who we are comes out when we are in our most profound moments of worship. But then it needs to take root and stick with us somehow. It'll try to be taken away and choked out and busyness. And yet, I hope that the day where things were good, things were good, pictures were taken, life just seemed right for a brief moment. This is a thin space with which we connect between heaven and earth that God speaks to us fresh and well again. So, friends, if you want the goodness of Easter to last, if we want it to be rootedness and growth within us, we need to spend time with the gardener. Not just on Easter, but always. Guard the time and look forward to it. Amen. Let's pray. giver of every good thing. In giving us your word, you have given us yourself. Make known to us the ways in which we hear, but we don't always listen. How we sometimes trample your word as if it were on the path, and we leave your good gifts in the dust by not seizing the moment that you were going to speak to us. In those moments, remind us, convince us, convict us, that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come 
nor height nor depth or any powers on heaven and earth will be able to take your word away from us, away from our hearts. So Lord, we thank you that you are the farmer who continues to sow seed through every season of our life, regardless of what soil we're being at the time. We thank you also that you not only sow the seed, but that you care for this dust of the earth that we are with your life breathed into us. Breathe your life into us, grow us, transform us, that we may have roots, and that through your grace and your power, we may yield a harvest, that we may yield good grain for your kingdom's sake. Amen.